TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. No bigger question this offseason than what are the Chicago Bears going to do at the quarterback position? Once again, they hold the number one overall pick. Also have their starting quarterback, Justin Fields, still under contract. Here is my understanding of where it stands for the Chicago Bears. According to sources, it would take a historic haul for the Bears to move off the number one overall selection. Something wild. Not saying it could not happen just like it did last year, but something crazy would make this happen. Which leads me down the line of one, likely to select Caleb Williams, the USC quarterback. They're not there yet, Mike, but my understanding is they believe he is special, just want to get comfortable with the person. Welcome back. It's Mully and Hush, Chicago Sports Radio 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez in for Mully. And that was the Ian Rappaport on Super Bowl Sunday, I believe, or last week during the Super Bowl coverage. Really the state of the Bears offseason. Framing it nationally the way we are familiar with it locally. Some people are tired of talking about it. I say you better buckle up. It's February 15th. The draft isn't until April. We're going to talk about it a lot because it's a huge story. It's probably the biggest offseason story in the NFL now that all the jobs have been filled and Bill Belichick is out of work and whatever the case is, there's no Aaron Rodgers drama this offseason. The Bears have the number one overall pick for the second offseason in a row. And they're on the verge of likely trading their starting quarterback, who's going to be a starter somewhere in the NFL next year in Justin Fields, a wildly popular Chicago quarterback. I'm glad Gabe's here. Gabe. <laughs> I don't know where this is going. But well, I'm, good. I'm curious. Good. You know I like to listen to you and your various stops and yes. your various yes. time slots. And I have to tell you that I heard you. I mean, I, I just like <laughs> listening to you all the time. I, I drive home some uh, one night a week. I'll do football night in Chicago, and it's on a Wednesday typically. Or and I like to listen to you talk football with your various guests. You get good guests. You and Grody sometimes have a really good conversation. I've heard you on more than one occasion reference a possibility that you like, if you talked yourself into at least, of keeping Justin Fields and drafting Caleb Williams. No, that's not what I've said. Or you've said maybe like okay, me. Okay, you said that's it. But you began almost with the drafting a quarterback at one or wherever and keeping Justin Fields. Two. No, no, no. I want to be very clear. It's not I, Caleb I, I want to, That's why yeah, I'm glad it, you're here. It's, it's, first of all, so I, you got to go back to two years ago when I was doing a college football show with Pete Futek. Mm-hmm. And he and I watched incessantly, week in and week out, Caleb Williams and Drake May last year. Not this past season, but the season before, right? So Caleb Williams, Heisman winning season. So then when this year came about and everyone was like, Caleb Williams, number one guy, it's no doubt about it. 
he and I were having conversations like, what is everybody talking about? Because last year we were having a conversation about where Drake May, I thought Drake May was better than Caleb Williams. So then this year comes about, and then I see all the hoopla, and I'm like, well, I want to be greedy. And I think most Bears fans should want to be greedy. And in being greedy, you get to have draft picks by trading down, and you get to have a quarterback as a fail-safe in the event that Justin Fields doesn't work out, and that comes in the form of Drake May. Because there's no rules in the draft that say only one quarterback can be good. So for me, it's like, oh, well, if I get a Drake May and draft picks and I still get to see if Justin Fields pans out, this, this, this works wonders for me. And so that's my scenario. It's not a Caleb Williams, Drake, uh, Caleb Williams, Justin Fields on the same team because then you don't get any draft picks as a result of that. I'm glad you amended that and explained it. I still think it's a terrible idea. I only think it's a terrible idea because I what don't. What part of the idea? The, the, the keeping Justin Fields or the drafting a quarterback? Because you are either on one No, one I, I, I want them to draft a quarterback. I want it to be Caleb Williams, and I think that they're going to do just that. Okay. But let me explain the logic in why I think that there's, there's – I, or I object to the, the notion of, of drafting a quarterback and keeping the incumbent. I think that you are basically telling both guys – you kind of sort of maybe believe in them. And if you are drafting a quarterback, even if it's Drake May, hypothetically, with your scenario, and they trade down to what, two, two. or three? Two. All right, two. And they give the commanders a haul. I think two things. First, then you're telling Drake May that you are entering a locker room where you are immediately the most unpopular player there because the starting quarterback returns and everybody loves him. Mm-hmm. And everybody responds to him. And even if he has uh, three seasons where he has fallen short of his potential, I think, there are a lot of reasons for that, a lot of coaching issues in that. But Justin Fields has universal respect in the locker room, and you're telling Drake May, come in here, develop. We're going to develop you into a winning quarterback. But nobody wants you here. Yeah, and I, Because and I, you're here to take the job of the guy we love. Alex Smith won won 10 games three seasons in a row before the, the Chiefs drafted Patrick Mahomes. Three seasons in a row. Mm-hmm. So he had a, a, a history of winning. The franchise was winning, and, and, and they still went out and got somebody that was really good. Why? Because they were more focused on the future of the franchise. Mm-hmm. And I want to be greedy in thinking that. In that, do I think Justin Fields is going to be better? Sure, he should be, right? And do I want to see, because you know I have the ultimate FOMO, that if he can be that one more time, a couple more games, sure. I think that in the NFL, David, that it, that statement is then operating as if no player works as if they're going to be replaced. Every player, every year, it should be fearing for their job because the, the possibility that someone else can come in to take it exists. And that is the same for the NFL. So for me to finally put the Bears in a situation to – a, have Justin Fields, and B, to have a backup plan. That's the most important part there, is to have a backup plan in the event that that fails. I don't think any athlete, professional athlete, should feel a certain type of way or their play is going to... Are we going to give Justin Fields another reason why we think he's not good is because Drake Mays behind him? No. You play, put your big boy pants on, you're in a contract year, go... Go prove to everyone, yourself included, that you can play. And if you can't, guess what? To what end, though? Exactly. To what end? To, to the if point you're succeeds, three and five. If he succeeds, 
you're you're thrilled maybe because you're going to win the division, compete for, for a playoff spot, and you're going to spend a lot of money you don't have to spend. And then what do you do with this number two overall draft pick? I get something. It's an asset. You trade him? It's an asset. What are you, what are you talking about? What are because you doing? Because what you do is you start— You don't think teams are going to give up a first-round pick or more for, for a guy like Drake May? Of course they will. Next year, he'll be worth less than he is right now. Will he, though? Yes. No. Absolutely. It's like a new car. You drive it off the lot, it depreciates. You draft a quarterback— you play him or you don't play him his rookie year, he depreciates I, the next year I, in value. And I disagree with that. I think if you get a quarterback-hungry team, which I feel like 90% of the league is every single year, someone is going to get desperate and pull, and pull a trigger to go get a guy like Drake May and give you assets. I just don't think it's feasible, and I don't think it's realistic, and I don't think it's necessary because it also then, how would you feel if you're watching Justin Fields lead you to the playoffs, Drake may become potential trade bait, and then, oh, and accepting the 2024 Offensive Rookie of the Year, Caleb Williams for the Washington Commanders. Are the Bears winning the Super Bowl, though? Because you're giving me the scenario where... Yes! Then I yes! don't care. Gabe, yes. Then I don't you care. Ask that, you don't care if the Bears win the Super Bowl? No, no, no. I said if the Bears win the Super Bowl, then I don't care about Caleb Williams' offensive rookie of the no, year. No, 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 no. I'm not saying oh, the Bears okay, win okay, the Super okay, Bowl. Okay, okay, okay. I'm saying with Justin Fields, you're winning the, the, the division. You're competing for a playoff spot. You're not winning the Super Bowl with Justin Fields. I, I'm sorry. I, I can't see that happening. Okay, yeah, same. Which is why I want Drake May and the, and, and the pick. You are winning the Super Bowl. You are, you are raising... Your level of ambition when you keep the number one pick and you spend it on somebody that is, except unless you're Merrill Hodge or a former disgruntled scout from the New York Jets, that you believe Caleb Williams is the guy. Yeah, but is the guy. But you're talking as if it's Patrick Mahomes and then like, you know, Blake Bortles. No, like that's that, but that's how you're saying it. No, though. but there's a because- difference between Patrick Mahomes and. But that's what you're. That's how you're positioning it as, as if and, and Deshaun Watson. Fair, okay, fair. I'm talking the difference between good and great. My whole thing this offseason is that the Bears don't have a dilemma; they have a luxury. They can be, they can make a good decision or they can make a better one. Keeping Justin Fields, trading down, getting Marvin Harrison Jr., loading up on draft capital, and stocking your roster like the 49ers in theory. Yeah, that's a good decision. That's a good decision. You know what's a better one? Seizing the moment, getting your quarterback, saying we're going to win a Super Bowl with this guy because of this guy. We believe in him. We're taking our big swing because that's what I came here to do. I was in Kansas City when they did that with Patrick Mahomes. I'm going to do that in Chicago with Caleb Williams. Ryan Poles is going to take a bow after drafting him number one. I like it. I, I Listen, I, I love anything, and this is the part that I think a lot of Bears fans – leave out of their arguments when they're trying to decide who they want under center next year. As long like you got to go two steps forward and be like, but are we, are we agreeing that we just want the bears to be successful? Right. Whether that is with Caleb Williams, Justin Fields or whoever it is, that's going to be in the center as mentioned. That's what you want. Ultimately Caleb Williams at one. Cause check this out. Patriots take Marvin Harrison jr. At three and then trade like Josh Rock said, or, or like uh, the guy from NFL.com, Chad Ruder said, you know, and then, they trade their second pick. Can I tell you something about those mock drafts? I ignore so many of them. There's so many mock drafts. What are they based on, Gabe? Speculation. Really, 
Yeah, what but they... I'm, I'm going with what you're saying, right? If okay. Caleb Williams goes one, Drake May goes two, and then the Patriots, instead of quarter, taking a quarterback, they take Marvin Harrison Jr., and then they trade one of their picks to go get Justin Fields. Now they have Justin Fields and Marvin Harrison Jr. Okay. And what else do they have? Are they going to win the, the Bears Super Bowl? defense? Are they going to win? The... <laughs> no, they're not. Do they have the Bears defense? What we just saw from the Kansas City Chiefs as I get out my football microscope and I look very closely for specks of evidence that you can see maybe exist and can be applied to the Bears. I saw a team win a Super Bowl because of an elite defense. Agreed. And a, gener- in a, in a great quarterback. One of the best ever. But how a quarterback that elevates the play of everybody around him. Maybe even including the defense. Because they're not on the field very much. And they want to play hard knowing that if they get the, give the ball back to their exactly. offense, they might win. So I think it's all related. The, you know, the, the, the effect, the multiplying effect of having a franchise quarterback who is that in every sense of the word is what we saw in Kansas City. That's what you want in Chicago. That's what you envision when they introduce Caleb Williams to the Bears media at Hallis Hall in May, when they will. I, I'm pretty confident they will. There's not going to be a red flag. You can start doing the background checks. I'm looking forward to hearing what Caleb Williams' biology teacher said about him in eighth grade. <laughs> but I don't Did think he turn gonna, in his homework? I, I don't know that they're going to find anything. Sure. They can keep looking. This isn't a Jalen Carter situation, by the way. I know. we got to mention this. It was, it, was a, it, was, it was with my Puerto Rican brethren, Feliciano. Is it, Boricua. And, and, and Jalen Carter is now, is it verified that he is under league investigation because of the that exchange that he had with Feliciano on the field that escalated into something off the field? So it seems like by Feliciano reporting it to the NFL, people that are not privy to the information. The, that there was an altercation on the field where uh, Jalen Carter was mocked by Feliciano because – they, he invoked the memory of his dead friend who was killed tragically in that car accident, correct? Yeah. And, and Jalen Carter came back at him, according to Feliciano, threatening his family. Well, I, I thought it was the opposite, where Carter said it to him, like, hey, I'm going to, you know, yes. the kids aren't going to recognize it was I'm going to kill you. Order, da, da, da. Yes. And then Feliciano, in true, like, urban fashion, was just like, well, you already got a body, meaning, like, you already have right. a death under your belt. Right. And then that's when Carter took it to the next level and then went That is the alleged and, proper yes. order of events. Yeah. Either way, when you read a story that suggests Jalen Carter is under league investigation, <laughs> you just don't care. You probably the, feel yeah. good that he's not a bear. Correct? Am I correct? And a year ago at this time, or maybe not at this time, a year ago at the end of the college football season, Jalen Carter was considered the best available player. I don't know that we're going to run into any kind of waving red flags or chaos as it pertains to Caleb Williams. There are things that you want to address. There are questions you need answered. The meeting and interview with him as he interviews you is pivotal, important. But I I think that, you know, conventional wisdom at some point in time, you start to think, well, this makes a lot of sense. I can see them going that direction. And you know what? It's exciting. It's exciting if you follow the Bears to think that they are on the verge of heading in this direction. And you can, you can cite cynicism that is just part of being a Bears fan. 
and you'd be right. So, so will you be disappointed, David, if the Bears do trade out a number one? Yes. Very. I would be, I'd be very disappointed for the Bears. I, I'm not speaking as a fan. I'd be speaking more as an objective analysis of what they are on the verge of doing if they trade out of that spot. How do you then handle, wait, how do you then handle those that are on the exact opposite side of that and that they'd be disappointed if they draft Caleb Williams? Well, I, I respect that. It's yeah. a difference of opinion. Every debate has two sides. Uh, one side is right, one side is wrong. <laughs> Fair. And then this one, you're both wrong. And this one, they're not. No, this one, I'm right, you're wrong. I, I, look, hey, we're getting the textures. They always get the textures. Of course, textures. of course, hey, of course. What about Johnny Menzel? He was right. What about uh, Ryan Leaf? And There's busts in every draft. No prospect is foolproof. There's nobody who is can't miss. But when you do this job, as long as I'm not going to speak, you're young. <laughs> when you do this job, as long as I've done this job, you tend to, whether it's right or not, trust a consensus of people who do this for a living, who evaluate talent for a living. I respect Merrill Hodge. I don't know why he's so extremely against Caleb Williams. I heard him at the Super Bowl like everyone else. It went viral. He's scoring from Trey Lance. I know the scout from the Jets who came out and had him as a fourth-round grade. That seems extreme. I would be aware of notice me guys at this stage of the process. I would be aware of notice me guys who are offering extreme opinions, maybe for the sake of offering them. I don't do that. I don't like that. And I'm not trying to do that now. I just telling you, when you see as many people who I've talked to or I've read about that believe Caleb Williams is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Luck, I trust that evidence. I trust that. And once you trust that, everything else falls into place logically in my head. It doesn't have to for you. I respect where people are coming from. Marvin Harrison Jr. in a bear uniform would be great. You could win with Justin Fields. I think two things. Caleb Williams has Super Bowl potential. Justin Fields does not. I've seen enough. Due respect. The thing about Justin Fields could get better. He could process quicker. He could do all the things and become more accurate. But you, know, you haven't won in Chicago. No. It's not because Justin Fields is bad, but he's not part of a winning organization right now. Yeah, and, and I think you know that's one thing that we do agree on is that you know when I think about Justin Fields, I don't say I don't think oh this is a trash quarterback. I think top thirteen to seventeen quarterback in the NFL. And but I, I think when I think of his ceiling, I never think top five, top eight quarterbacks in the league, which is where you need to be if you, you need wanna, to be where you if you want to win. And I think right. for me, when I've had this conversation, maybe that was what you heard on my show in the evening here on The Score, is, is, is when discussing a Caleb Williams versus a Justin Fields, it's I'd rather have Caleb because, to your point, I, I don't think Justin can win you a Super Bowl. And if the possibility exists that this quote-unquote generational talent can be a member of your team and can be the possibility exists, not that he is, not that it's surefire, not that it's guaranteed, but the possibility exists that he can get you there, then you have to be greedy as an organization and take a guy like that if he's there. I like your explanation. See, this is much. I feel much better after having this talk. I knew we, I knew we agreed. I knew come at that. The end. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. knew that. <laughs> I wanted to, and I and I'm driving home and I'm hearing this and I'm like, I I'm gonna text him. I'm gonna call. No, I'm gonna wait until we have an opportunity. This was a great opportunity, and I feel much better for so having that Bears talk. Bears. All right. So we are gonna shift gears. The Bulls. They lost last night. Kobe White had quite a night, but he had a turnover in the final minute. And he missed a shot at the buzzer, but still 
He's emerged. They're at the All-Star break. We're going to talk to Will Perdue from NBC Sports Chicago next. It's Mullen Haw. Gabe Ramirez in for Mully. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Tune in is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. That clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. And even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here on TuneIn. Go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. Will Purdue. Now you got some momentum going. Chicago Bulls pre and post analyst for NBC Sports Chicago. Our jurors wanted consistency. <laughs> I'm not sure this type of consistency. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah this he, maybe he should have clarified that. Four time NBA champion. And it's all over. The Chicago Bulls have their three straight NBA championship. Will Purdue on Mully and Haw. I've been to 12 Hootie and the Blowfish concerts. 12. On 670 The Score. Welcome back. It's Molly and Hosh, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Oh, we get a little, what do you, you singing there, isn't that, isn't, that the, isn't that the song? Right? Yeah, it is a song. You missing your music days? You know, I heard him say Hootie and the Blowfish, so I wanted to, you know, make sure Will was in the right frame of mind before he came on the of show. Of course, he's a big Hootie guy. <laughs> and the Bulls are solidly in ninth place, 26-29 and 29 as the All-Star break begins. Coming off what was a winnable game against the Cavaliers last night. They have a 17-point lead. They lose 108-105. to Kobe White missed a tough look at the buzzer from three-point range. Turnover in the final minute of the game, 32.7 rebounds, but that left a mark, 15 Bulls turnovers. They convert 20 points off those mistakes. You can't do that against the second-best team in the East. You can't do that if you're the Bulls and expect to make up some ground they can be a very frustrating team to watch. I used the word flummoxing earlier. And what was your word again? Despondent. Despondent. And Bulls fans are somewhat despondent. But here's the good news. The good news is there's going to be a week before the next game. A week free of, of stress. You don't have to watch the Bulls. Although that's bad news if that you're is bad a news. big Will Purdue fan because he provides expert analysis on NBC Sports Chicago. And now joining us on the Circa Resort and Casino Hotline is Will Purdue, CircaLasVegas.com. Good morning, Will. How are you? Oh, good morning, gentlemen. I'm outstanding. 
Good. Good job last night. Tough gig when you see the same thing happening again and again. The Bulls are entertaining, but frustrating. Will, we were trying to come up with a word to describe them at the All-Star break. What would be yours? Boy, that's a that's a good um, – underwhelming? Yes, good one. Definitely underwhelming. And I think – I think, uh, listen, let's go back two games. Let's go back to the Atlanta game um, on Monday. Honestly, when, it, when I went back and looked at the numbers and, and went back and watched some of the games, that might have been the best game they played from start to finish uh, of the season, considering the situation with no Zach Levine, uh, no Alex Caruso, but how well they shot the ball. The defense was good. What Javon Carter and Ayo Zasumu were able to do to, to Trey Young, you know, it just you were checking all the boxes, the rebounding, the defense. You know, you played at the right pace. You, you made threes. But I think what we've learned is, is they cannot consistently play that way. And remember, this was that Atlanta game is kind of what Billy was talking about when we need to play faster. We need to get more shots at the rim. We need to continue to push the pace. What we're seeing – um, Io and Kobe do a lot, but the problem is it's not sustainable because not everybody necessarily flourishes. Not everybody on this roster flourishes in that system. Yeah, well, and of course you're talking about you know the double big lineup out there. You know when trying to have a fast paced you know team, and you got you know the two bigs trying to run the court. But but it, it's kind of paid off for them in certain situations. What what would you say is is the advantage of, of the double big man lineup? Well, I think you saw it last night. Uh, a perfect example is these numbers are not a 100% accurate, but so far this season prior to last night, they were 0-2 against Cleveland. And what was the biggest stat that was just glaring that jumped out at you was offensive rebounds for second-chance points. I think one game uh, it was 16 offensive rebounds for 32 second-chance points. The other game, it was 13 offensive rebounds for 26 second-chance points. And you're like, wait a minute. They're literally scoring on every single offensive rebound. And that was really what jumped out. And there was a difference of 10 to 12 points in each game. And you're like, that's something you have to respond to. Thus, Billy goes with the big lineup last night of Drummond and Vooch. It was, it was effective, and it actually worked out very well, but – Vooch, unfortunately, did not have one of his better games, and that's ultimately what hurt him. And I'm not saying it's just Vooch. Believe me, it's not just him. But when you think about how they played in that first half, Cleveland had one offensive rebound, one, zero second-chance points. Now, things changed in the second half, but also at the same time we can talk about the Bulls only attempted 83 field goals. they got to be up around 90-plus every single game. But some of that lack of field goal attempts is what happens, as you just mentioned, Gabe, when you go a little bigger, you play a little slower. But at the same time, you just cannot let your opponent control the tempo, and that's exactly what Cleveland did throughout the whole game. Well, you, Jason, and Kendall do a great job on a regular basis, but so often you're addressing the same things, and the same things after Bulls' losses are the turnovers. And I just can't fathom how they continue to be as careless with the ball as they tend to be. Last night, 15 turnovers, 
and that led to 20 points that the Cavaliers converted. Why is that such a chronic problem with this team? And you know, it's not it's not consistently a problem, David. It's it's they had one turnover in the first quarter. Now, how did Cleveland get back into the game in that second quarter? The Bulls had six turnovers in the second quarter, which Cleveland was able to capitalize on. At the end of the day, as you guys pointed out, this team is enjoyable to watch. I think we now know what this team is. Our talked about, okay, guys, there's 30 games to go. Technically, there was 31 when you include the Memphis game. We're going to evaluate from this point forward. Well, what's happened in those four games? We're two and two. So I think we can – listen, we've known who this team is for a long time. All right? They're basically a 500 team. They're a play-in team. This is who they are. So we obviously know that changes need to be made. Unfortunately, Zach's injury couldn't have been at a worse time. That doesn't mean you can't necessarily do things, but they, they elected to stay pat. They basically talked about how this team is competitive. That is correct. And how this team, you know, will we'll monitor these last 31 games. But at the end of the day, they have such a small room for error, meaning they can shoot great from behind the three-point line, but if they have a lot of turnovers that the other team capitalizes on, they lose. They could possibly only have eight turnovers in a game, but they give up 16 offensive rebounds for 32 second chance points. You know, it's just it's one of those things. They fix one area, and they're leaking oil in the other. They fix that area, and they're leaking oil than the one they fixed prior. It's just, you know, this team is competitive. It is, they are fun to watch, but they they have a lot of weaknesses, and those weaknesses need to be addressed. Yeah, well, things have to go right for the Bulls if they're going to win. I mean, you saw it against the Timberwolves. I mean, you mentioned the Atlanta Hawks game. I mean, they have to be shooting the three ball well. They have to be playing, you know, exceptional defense. Second unit has to play. Everything has to go well in order for them to win. But the reality is they always have a shot because of how hard they play. Um, in the second half of, of the game last night, you kind of saw Donovan Mitchell take over in that third quarter, but it was kind of stopped and called a bit by the Bulls' three-point shooting. And obviously that's been an issue for the last couple of years. Well, when you look at it, right, and and, and obviously it's, it's taken a, a little bit of a turn, Io and Kobe, you know, shooting well. Is that like a confidence thing, three-point shooting, right? Because they're getting the ball at the court, like you were saying. Billy wants them to play fast. You saw a lot of pull-up threes. Or, or is it just like a part of the game and, and them having them doing it consistently where now it's like, oh, this is a part of our game, so now we, we shoot the three ball well? I mean, that's still a weakness, bottom line. I mean, you do have guys that can shoot it well, but Booch, unfortunately, you know, when he came to uh, Chicago, remember he had his best year, best se- the, the season prior was his best season from behind the arc at 40%. Hasn't come anywhere close to that since he's been in Chicago. I think this year he's shooting less than 30%. You know, you have seen Io step up. You've seen Kobe step up. Um, but it's just, it's, it's not the strength of their games. This is a mid-range team. This is where they get a majority of their points. And because of that, if you hit a, you know, a, a team that's hot on the other end, they may not be playing well, but they're knocking down the three ball. It makes it difficult to win. Well, we've got a minute left. Just curious, when you talk about the breakout players of this year, people obviously point to Kobe White, but Io DeSumo has had a real resurgence. I don't even know if it's a resurgence, but it's the scoring has come, and I didn't expect that. Why do you think he's scoring at a higher rate and, and just taking advantage of those opportunities now? Uh, I think, A, he's putting himself in the right position on the floor. That's doing your homework in the film room. That's knowing the offense. 
but also that's knowing how the opponent's going to play the game and knowing that if we run a certain play correctly and we move the ball ahead, meaning to the next guy, to the next guy, and if I'm in this position on the floor, I should be open because of how most teams rotate on defense. Everybody switches. Everybody helps a certain way. And he's finding those open spots. And also the thing that that really has stood out to me the most is what he's doing now from behind the three-point line, catch and shoot much quicker. I'm not saying he had to catch and wind up, but the the actual approach to the shot was much slower. The release was slower. And as you talked about, that's that's a confidence factor. But the biggest thing that Io does for me is when we were actually showing some uh, film yesterday in the pregame, He's the guy when we get an offensive re- or get, sorry when we get a defensive rebound. He's the guy that's free throw line extended, clapping his hands, get, at, telling the big or whoever gets the rebound, "Give me the ball, give me the ball, give me the ball. We got to go, we got to go." But he also knows that's his strength, his ability to put it on the deck, get up to speed, and then attack the rim and be able to finish. And I think that's an area where he's also improved because you know you brought it up, David. I mean, it kind of looked like he plateaued a little bit last year. Mm-hmm. But he went back and he worked on his game. He's worked on his shot. And this is a guy that's, you know, it's just, I, I like to use the term self-made. He was already good, but at the end of the day, he wasn't a second-round player. For some reason, he slid to the second round. So we didn't necessarily have the expectations, but he's always had these expectations for himself, and he consistently answers the bell. Great stuff, Will. Enjoy the week off. Look forward to talking to you next time. All right, gentlemen, you got it. And that's why I was a little late getting to you. I'm in the airport flying to Desert Springs to a little warmer weather. Enjoy your vacation. Enjoy the trip. No problem. Will Purdue, NBC Sports Chicago analyst. Good stuff on the Bulls. When we come back, we're going to shift gears, go down to Kansas City, and talk to somebody who can give us a firsthand account of the tragedy that happened on Wednesday after the parade where one – Person was killed, as many as 22 injured uh, in gunfire. Three suspects have been arrested. And we'll get the latest from Alex Gold here on Mullen Haw when we come back. Chicago Sports Radio, 670 the score. We had over 800 law enforcement officers, Kansas City and other agencies, at the location to keep everyone safe. Because of bad actors, which were very few, this tragedy occurred. Welcome back. It's Mullen Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670 The Score. Gabe Ramirez in for Mully today. That was the voice of Kansas City Police Chief Stacy Graves talking about the tragedy at the end of the Chiefs parade on Wednesday. One person is dead. 22 are injured. Senseless gunfire. Three suspects have been arrested. Just a tragic ending. A celebration turns into chaos and then tragedy. And we go down to Kansas City. Now joining us on the Circa Sports Illinois hotline is Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City. Download the Circa Sports app today. Good morning, Alex. How are you? Good morning. I'm doing all right. You know, we're, we're doing all right, fortunately, uh, when it comes to, to our staff and, and everything that we had planned on the parade route. Uh, everybody that we had ties to was able to, to make it out all right. and. Uh, Obviously, everybody's just uh, you know angry, shocked. Um, you know that that that's uh, a big part of the reaction, I, I would say, from a lot of people in Kansas City with what transpired yesterday. Thank you for joining us. The last time we spoke to you, as we did leading up to the Super Bowl, it was Monday, and it was a triumphant report, and there's obviously a celebration with the Chiefs winning 
the Super Bowl over the 49ers, and everybody looked forward to the parade. We wanted to see what Travis Kelsey would say, how Patrick Mahomes would act, who would be outrageous this year. That's what you expect at parades. You don't expect to have things turn as quickly as they did. You never expect to have what happened happen. How would no, how, and, where yeah. were you, and how how did it unfold from your vantage point there? Well, it was it was a perfect day prior to the incident. I mean, it was uh, sixty five degrees. It's one of the best days of the year. Something people look forward to. These parades. School was canceled around the area, so you had families, all sorts of kids out there, and. Before we were broadcasting, we were on around 10 o'clock Central Time, uh, and the parade wasn't started until about 10.45. And so we were further up the parade route than where Union Station is, which is where the, the shooting took place. And so we were on the parade route, and we were joking around because kids were throwing footballs up four, you know, four stories to condos, and everybody's cheering on uh, people to catch it on the balcony. And it's just a great time, and it, was, it really was a perfect day in KC, a celebration. And then to – Right, I don't know, five minutes after we got off the air and the rally had ended um, to see on Grand Boulevard, which is a, a main street of the parade route, to see, I don't know, 10, 15 police vehicles, law enforcement vehicles just fly by us. And, you know, first few, you don't think anything of it necessarily. And then after a while, you start to sense, OK, some, something's going on here. And we were a seven plus minute walk away from Union Station, but you, you could sense something was going on and word quickly traveled, unfortunately, that there was an active shooter situation. Alex, good to talk to you again, brother. Um, you know, for you, we, like we know shootings happen, right? I mean, th- these, these are things that it's part of American culture now, unfortunately. But I think each community responds differently. And clearly here in Chicago, you know, we deal with shootings a lot. And, you know, in our city, I'm curious, what's Kansas City's, you know, response been? What has the, the, the sentiment in the city been? Well, there's certainly a, a lot of love going around today. You know, we uh, our, our show's about to hop on the air here in a little while, and I was listening to our morning show today and listening to so many people uh, react and, and that are so prideful in our city the way I'm sure they are, obviously, in, in Chicago as well, and, and that the some of the stories that are coming out of this from either law enforcement or even Chiefs players, that there's a lot of, a lot of reports out there that Chiefs players were comforting children inside of Union Station that were understandably so terrified and, and traumatized and something they're going to have to deal with perhaps for the rest of their, their life and seeing that you know, Andy Reid was, was comforting this teenage kid who gave this extremely emotional interview on local television because he couldn't find his friends. And so there's been a lot of, you know, in, in this terrible, terrible situation, there's been a lot of comforting stories to, to, to speaks to how great the people are in Kansas City. Um, and, I, and I used the word shocked earlier, and it's shocking because of the type of day that it was. But unfortunately, um, in gun violence in Kansas City, Missouri has been a story. I believe last year was the highest homicide rate in the city. I mean, this is a, a, a city, you know, a lot of people want to say this isn't representative of Kansas City or Kansas City, Missouri. But unfortunately, right now, uh, gun violence is. And it, it's this way across much of the country as well. And it's, it's sickening. It's maddening. They had 800 law enforcement officers. They were prepared. I mean, it was, they had snipers on the buildings. I mean, it wasn't as if this wasn't a prepared uh, city uh, for something to happen. Um, and for, in a matter of seconds, uh, 22 people to be shot and, and at least one person killed. There's reports that perhaps a second uh, has died um, is, is awful. We're talking with Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City here on the Mullane Haw Show. I have to ask this because it came up in one of the stories, and I think it's been addressed and will continue to be discussed. What was the situation in terms of having security checkpoints? There were a million people estimated 
to be at this parade. How tight was the security? Yes, there were 900 officers there, but was it a, were people able to uh, move around freely without having any type of security checkpoint to worry about? Yeah, there, there was no security checkpoint. You know, there was a huge law enforcement presence. I mean, there was undercover officers, I'm sure, that, that nobody could, could see as well. And you know, they have barricades and things like that. But this is a massive, I think it was a 2.2-mile uh, parade route. And Union Station, for your, for your listeners, that's where the draft was at last year. So if anybody that watched the, the NFL draft, that setting, that, that building and that hill, the Liberty Memorial, that, that is the area kind of where the, the shooting took place. It is a massive spot. Uh, so, no, there was no security, and that's why, I mean, something we're going to discuss today, I, I don't have the answers to it. We're going to all talk it out today, which is, you know, what, what do parades look like in the future? Right. Um, the sad reality, I mean, is this something where you, you are going to need to start having these celebrations in the football stadium at Arrowhead, uh, where there are metal detectors and some more security in that fashion? I, I don't know, but, I, you know, I, I'm sure there's a lot of people that took their kids to this parade yesterday um, and are really going to question whether or not it's worth ever bringing their children to a parade, a celebration like this again. Yeah, we were something we were talking a lot about today on the show, Alex. Is just you know what what does that look like, you know, moving forward? But I'm curious about you, man. I mean, obviously, you know, you and I have a have a relationship, personal one. I know, you know, you feel strongly about your state. You you know went to Kansas. You 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 obviously love that area. I'm curious, you know, just your personal feelings. You know, having not only lived through that, but knowing that it happened in, in your backyard. You know, it's 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 heartbreaking because you're right. I, I grew up here. You know, I've lived here for 90 percent of my life, um, and everybody is so prideful about the city, specific, specifically right now. You know, a lot of it is on the sports end, and that's how people. That's why we were talking to you guys all last week. But this city is kind of on a, on a heater right now. I mean, there's a lot of pride. Brand new airport. The draft was here. The Chiefs' momentum. They're going to build a new downtown ballpark. The first women's professional soccer team is being built. The World Cup is going to have six matches here in Kansas City. There's a feeling of a, a ton of momentum and movement and to have an event like this happen to bring a, a terrible spotlight on the city. I think it's heartbreaking for, for me and, and for so many of us in Kansas city. Um, and so, you know, my reaction is, is kind of that. And knowing that um, unfortunately this is something that uh, truly can happen anywhere, you know, and, and, you know, we used to say, Oh, I can't believe this happened, but it can happen anywhere. I mean, it, we, we all know it's, happened at schools and, and places of worship and movie theaters. And, and now it's happened at a, a parade, a celebration that one of the happiest days you can possibly have as a city. And it didn't matter. And it still uh, had a few individuals that decided pulling out a gun was the best course of action and without any regard to other people's lives. And it's sickening. Well put, Alex. Take care of yourself. We appreciate your time this morning. Thank you, guys. Alex Gold from 610 Sports in Kansas City. Chilling account. Sad to hear that in his voice, somebody who's from that city has lived through that, covered that story, and going to have to continue to discuss it on a daily basis because in a community like that, tight-knit city, proud of who they are and where they're headed, that's got to be something that is just very difficult to process and get past. It's where you are. No, it's not a, a Kevin Bacon six degrees of separation thing in this kind of a scenario. You know someone that was affected by by it immediately and you know you do feel bad for you know someone like that who mentions and, and I felt him when he said hey man we had a, we have a, a snowball growing and for something like this to happen you, you can you can certainly certainly sympathize with him they were celebrating the Chiefs Super Bowl title over the 49ers in a victory Sunday in Las Vegas Stacy Dales was there covering it for the NFL Network we will talk to Stacy next Molly and Haw Chicago Sports Radio 670 the score
TuneIn is the audio platform with something for everyone. News. In order to secure convictions in a court of law, it is essential that we conclusively. Sports. The clock at four. Donchich. The step back three. You bet. Music. You set my world on fire. Yes, and even podcasts. Whatever you love, hear it right here. On TuneIn, go to TuneIn.com or download the TuneIn app to start listening. It's better over here. After investing billions to light up our network, T-Mobile is America's largest 5G network. Plus, right now, you can switch, keep your phone, and we'll pay it off up to $800. See how you can save on every plan versus Verizon and AT&T at T-Mobile.com slash across America. Up to four lines via virtual prepaid card. Allowed 15 days. Qualifying unlocked device. Credit service ported 90 plus days with device and eligible carrier and timely redemption required. Card has no cash access and expires in six months. Oh, 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 O'Reilly. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.